Blog Talk Radio.
Here it is, another week to enjoy what we saw in the past and look forward to in the future. This is CFL Talk. I'm Candid Frank. He's David Morasuti. How are you doing, Frank? Great to be back. Fantastic. I was in court today. Not bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Working on a working on a divorce. Uh, you know Do how I those sound can depressed? Be. I'm relieved. No, I, I am so relieved. I got I got to tell you, it's um, it feels good uh, to be in a place where you might just have an opportunity to be heard. And uh, it's important uh, that you're heard. And, and that's what our legal system is all about, being heard. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes uh, the legal system tends to herd as opposed to allowing people to be heard. In my case, I'm hoping that I'm heard and not herded, if I'm making myself clear. I think you'd make yourself pretty clear on that one. It's not something that one looks forward to, uh, you know, knowing what lawyers cost. I think most people know what lawyers cost. It can be a very expensive proposition, and it probably will be. Um, I'm not looking for a tag day or anything, but let's just say that uh, it's going to hurt. But you know what? It is what it is. Sometimes you're backed into a corner, and there's only one way out. And uh, sometimes some people don't get it that, you know, when you are, um, there is that saying, when you seek revenge, be prepared to big, dig a second grave. So, you know, unfortunately, I'm the first grave. <laughs> All right. So here we go. What a great, 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 great weekend of games. I didn't get to see 100% of the games, but I saw the majority of them. I am now in, uh, I got to work out being in the woodlands up north. I'm back in Toronto today. And uh, it's not as easy to acquire the Internet. It's not as dependable as it is. I know that's tough for some people to hear, David, here in Toronto, that you know, cable or Internet or telephones are dependable. You have no idea how dependable they actually are compared to when you go to the great white north. So that's a challenge in itself. Uh, hanging on to a phone call, and I'm I'm wondering how I'm going to do the program. I'm hoping it works while I'm up there. Um, if it doesn't work, I apologize in advance. But no one thing, folks. I'll be doing my best. I promise you that, David. Well, I know how committed you are to the show, and I think you're hopefully whoever's listening realizes the. Uh, it, it's definitely not easy doing those shows in area like. There's a lot that goes into making these shows. Sometimes they seem simple in a concept, but when you have to put these all together, there's a lot that goes on. And I, I credit you for the dedication that you put in to doing it on uh, you know up north where <laughs> the service isn't great or, you know, on top of all the other uh, difficulties or challenges you might you, we face. Uh, absolutely. Doing. Absolutely. I mean, uh, at home, I have my, um, uh, well, here anyway, uh, in my home, home in Toronto, um, 
I have a giant screen and I'm able to project different kinds of graphics, uh, you know, different web pages and stuff on it so that I can sound like I know what I'm talking about. Oh, whereas uh, up north, the technology isn't as helpful, to put it bluntly. But here's the thing. It really doesn't matter. Uh, that stuff just doesn't matter. What The most important thing is to be engaged uh, in a sport, uh, played in a league, uh, in a country that I admire and love. So to watch the Canadian Football League, it hits me in many le- on many, many levels. Uh, I enjoy the competition between communities within our country. And I say this all the time, and, and, and I'm saying it now, I guess, because it sounded for a second there like, uh, like this is really, oh, my God, what a sacrifice. I mean, I was okay when you, when you said I was committed because, you know, at times I feel like I should be committed. Um, but in, a, in effect, uh, I enjoy it's not about it's not about suffering through it, the difficulties of doing it. I really enjoy doing it. And so I appreciate you, you, you talking about how committed I am and how much work I do to make it happen. Uh, but I'll tell you, it, it is, uh, you know, it is a, a job of love. So and, and I really enjoy uh, the fact that this year we didn't have to go we didn't get a chance. You and I haven't had a chance to talk about the CBA. It just happened, you know, just all of a sudden, okay, it's done. Your comments. Oh, that, that CBA stuff. uh, It looked like it was going to be very, a tricky process between uh, the players and the league. But as you said, it kind of just all resolved itself. I mean, there was that little scare after they had agreed, but they hadn't signed that you mm-hmm. know, this there was that little blimp on I think on the Saturday, the eve of training camp of, oh the teams are trying to do this, the players aren't too happy, and then there could be je- it was the deal could be in jeopardy. But I think just based on um, it doesn't seem like the players have any ill, you know, any Ill, any issues with how the process went out. I think their voices were heard. Um, and I think the CFL, hopefully they listen to whatever the players have to say. Cause you know, as much as, you know, it's a business, there's, you know, these players do make a sacrifice, uh, you know, playing in this league. There are some that do more, a little more than others. And hopefully the league, uh, listens to those voices. And I, I think also the players need to also realize the position the league's in. So I hopefully, those things were resolved, and uh, I'm just glad that they were able to get it all done in time so we actually have football to talk about. Yes, and, and it really wasn't, uh, to be honest and accurate, I don't think it's, it's not, um, you know, I don't think we can say it wasn't something that was handled very privately and with a lot, and I mean a lot of work behind the scenes. You were talking about me. Uh, and this program, trust me when I say this, folks, what Randy Ambrosi and company had to put together was far more complicated than putting this program together. So I'm really happy and really thrilled with the fact that the CBA came through. Um, there wasn't much to talk about. There were a couple of issues that kind of raised uh, you know, some 
you know, some, some, some weird looks by me in the mirror if I looked in the mirror, and that is uh, the, the fact that the Canadian ratio was going to drop. Did you think that was actually going to happen? Uh, you know what? The only, my only issue with that was, you know, all the talk about that Randy has been saying about the league expanding into, you know, into Mexico. Now he's talking about CFL 2.0, where they go out and into other countries like Europe and stuff. Um, we we know what the identity of this league has been for years. It's been centered around the Canadian talent, the Canadian guys. Um, I don't think Randy Ambrosi has forgotten that. I think he understands that. Um, but I think judging by, you know, how the CBA worked out, I think he realized you can't totally take away the, the identity of this league. You want to grow and expand it. I think that's why they brought him along as a new commissioner. But he also needs to realize that you can't totally take the league out of its roots. And, you know, I think there's still work to be done on improving the Canadian um, grassroots of the game here. But I don't mind them thinking we also have to think other areas as well because there's other I think there's other resources that haven't been tapped in yet and I think that's what he's trying to do right now uh, I agree for you, with you for the most part uh, What I, where, where I will not disagree with you but I will try my best uh, to add my positive spin on this I have a negative as well but I'll start with my positive because you've given um, your your point of view and 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 for me the importance of what Randy and company we're calling him Randy not Mr. Ambrosi or the commissioner it's like we know him and we have coffee with him later um, as far as Mr. Ambrosi is concerned Randy's is concerned he has an idea and a thought and it's one that I don't think that he has done on his own without the approval of the rest of the teams, without the rest of the owners, without the rest of the league, without having conversations. But he is, as you say and use this word, spearheading this move uh, to, I think what he, they're trying to do, and I believe it's what they're trying to do, because when I, when I listen to his speech here at the uh, town hall, the, the Argo town hall, it, it became clear what his intention is, is to allow countries to provide players to our league. And in exchange, the hope is that the interest in this league, the Canadian Football League, will grow worldwide. And he made it very clear at the town hall in Toronto, and I'm sure he probably said the same thing at all the other town halls, at all the other Canadian cities that he went to. And the idea is he looked at every professional sport uh, in the world. And every sport going back longer, soccer or European football, South American football, World football, if I may use that term, I don't even know what to call it. I want to call it soccer, but it really isn't soccer. They don't like being called soccer. It is the first sport, first league that brought in internationals in all the different teams. And I think that heightened risk interest, as it did in the National Hockey League when all the European teams came over, it heightened the interest in the game, not only in Canada, 
not only in the U.S., but in the rest of North America and the world. And I think that's part of the plan, and that's the hope, is that in essence what they're doing is they're, they're providing an advertising opportunity for their league within other countries in the hopes of you know, raising interest in the Canadian Football League, much like uh, the NFL does in its repeated visits in you know, the big countries where the big cities you know, uh, in the world like London, for example, Mexico in the south, that kind of thing. And I think it's going to work to a degree. I just don't know how well. I, I think for when you look at uh, how leagues like, and you brought up the NFL, I think the NFL is a good example. You need to, yeah, I think you're right. They need to establish an interest before they even consider. I know one of the things is potentially having a game overseas. But before you can even consider that, as you said, they need to draw, you know, bring in some interest. First off, people need to know what the CFL is. Why is it different from the NFL? You know, people overseas probably don't realize that. Even some people in the States don't. So I think there has to be some work done on that part, and I think that's where you're going to see maybe that's where the CFL decides to make the attempt going forward uh, in that regard. And bringing players will do that, you know. Though it's a small step. It's not going to be as big of a step as I think. Uh, I think there's going to be other things they'll have to do. But I think it's just one of the many steps they're thinking about. Um, And we'll see. I mean, the NFL right now, they're playing their first preseason game in Canada since 2013 in Winnipeg. Yeah. Yeah. So they're – the NFL, they've had that partnership with the Bills where they were doing that series. It did well at first, and then it kind of dwindled. But I think it had more to do with what what type of uh, – like when the Bills were coming here, it wasn't prime game. It wasn't anything to excite people in Canada to really go and watch it. And I think the product has to be enticing a little bit. We'll see how the NFL does it when they come up to Canada. I think they'll learn from when they tried with the Bills years ago. Um, but I think for some leagues, they try something, it doesn't work at first, and they kind of just go, eh, we're not too interested anymore. I think you have to build a solid foundation and keep working at it. It's not, you know, success doesn't happen overnight, especially anything a sports league does. It takes time to get it done, and hopefully the CFL will see how this venture works uh, bringing in these international players and, you know, their desire to do other things. Well, you raised uh, the issue of uh, the United States, American football fans, people in the U.S. that might be interested in the Canadian game, and it just so happens we have somebody on the phone. I don't know if anyone's ever heard from him or, or know who I'm talking about. I want to introduce you to Mike Townsend, the truck driver in the United States. Uh, we're on a little earlier than we used to be, Mike, so you're probably a little more wide awake and maybe even a little more uh, hyped to talk about the Canadian Football League. We, we have started by talking about the CBA and how, how it just slipped into being completed with a couple of tiny little bubbles or hiccups. Your opinion on the CBA, Michael? 
That about wraps it up. We're glad that the CBA uh, worked. David, I guess we can leave it there, right? I think so. Okay. Now, the the next thing uh, that we can talk about, and and it is it is the most important thing. Uh, have either of you had a chance to watch any of the football games, Mike? Uh, no, I couldn't catch it. How about you, David? Oh, I've I've watched a couple of games, I, and and in fairness to Mike, there's been it's not exactly easy to pick up the games, the preseason games. Not all of them are televised, so unless you're looking online for them, it's not too easy. But yeah, I I caught a couple of them, and I I also read a couple of the the recaps of the games just so I can I have a better understanding of what's going on. I uh, watched as much as I could, most of them. And the first thing I'm going to say about the games, and, and Mike, too bad for you, because uh, there were some interesting games, and there were some interesting plays. And I have to say, and, you know, I saw the Argo game in person. Um, I made the point to coming down here to Toronto to go check it out. I was not disappointed in the effort that the Toronto Argonauts put out there. More importantly, as I've seen, generally speaking, with all the exhibition games that have happened, there has, there has been a real good example of some very talented players making some very, very talented plays. I don't know if you guys know. Uh, well, I know, Mike, you didn't. But uh, what did you think, David? Did you see any of the plays? Uh, a kick run back by a guy named Dante in, in, in Ottawa? Oh, yeah. I think... Um, I don't know if this is just coaches and teams trying things out in preseason. I'm very intrigued with, um, I think some teams are going to be adopting some different looks offensively. And I think on special teams, we talk about how much of an emphasis there are there. Um, I, I think the preseason, I think coaches are really – taking that opportunity to try these things out. And that was a good play. Um, there was, um, uh, I'm trying to think. You see, when you couple have all these games, it's tough to. Yeah, couple there of were a couple. Like, that were... Yeah, and, and you look at the Argo game, too. There were some things that, honestly, I didn't even know the Argos could pull off some of these plays that they were doing. Like, you know, the Argos offense is I think gonna look so different just based off of what I saw from the preseason game. Uh, I think we'll talk a little more about that, but I think you're gonna start seeing coaches, you know, adapt and, and change things up a little bit. But I feel like some teams are offensively it's a little, it's like stale. It's you know, they're a little stale, they're not, you know, it's kinda stagnant, they're not really doing anything exciting. I think this is the time right now in the preseason where you just throw anything out there and just see what sticks. I personally was thrilled with a couple of the world players that made a couple of plays, one on a reception and one on a, uh, <laughs> a punt attempt that went over the kicker's head. I think his name was Carlos from Mexico, two Mexican players, in, in fact, that made two incredible plays. 
and he ran. He's a right-footed kicker, but he was running to the left, so he kicked it with his left foot, and he actually turned it into not such a bad play with that ball go sailing over his head. He, I think he did a great job in catching it, then a great job in moving and then kicking it with his left foot from a very um, mobile stance. He was moving rapidly, and he kicked it really all in one motion, running and kicking, and it was actually it looked really good. I was very impressed with that play, as I was with the reception that was made uh, by the Mexican player who, whose name now eludes me, but it was an incredible reception. Um, you know, th- these are the kinds of things that, you know, open our eyes. And when we talked and when I mentioned earlier about, you know, the advertising of having players from other countries play on this team, the interest in the other countries will be raised because the media in those countries are going to say, check out our Mexican player, the play that, that he made, you know, that they made, check it out. And people are going to look at it and go, we got players playing there. Yeah. I mean, um, I think you're talking about Maltos is the kicker. Yeah, Maltos, uh, that's kicked, right. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, um, I think the way they they play football, they, these are very athletic. Uh, like some some of these players in Mexico play probably play multiple sports, especially the kickers. They probably played some uh, some football. We'll uh, keep it to the world standard, not soccer. Um, you know, I think there's that ability that you see that the athleticism that they bring. Um, there was the, uh, and you know, I think there's also a learning curve as well for these CFL coaches uh, who not all these players speak English, perfect English. I know no um, the Argos have their, uh, a couple of uh, Mexican players in camp and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's uh, a way to communicate with them like any uh, international player, but I think that's also a learning curve for the CFL and for the team is that you have to have someone that can communicate with these players. And, you know, it's a lot different in football because of all the schemes you're teaching, all the different plays of the playbooks, the block, like just the little things you have to uh, get the players to know. Um, I'm very, I'm very curious to see how, how it works out, how many of these players actually make CFL teams, CFL rosters to start uh, the year. Mike, how do you feel about the Mexican contribution? And does it surprise you that there are football players actually coming up from Mexico? I mean, it goes without saying that they're very talented athletes there. All you have to do is think about, you know, uh, Mexican, the Mexican football team that plays in the World Cup is very uh, world-ranked. They have the athletes, it's obvious. No, this doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, because the I can't think of the name of the league that's down in Mexico. <clears throat> They've been around for a couple of years, and you know they're introducing the 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 the, the, the gridiron to the Mexican players, in which you know um, we already know that the talent level is not what it is to the United States and Canada, but these guys can be groomed into being good players years to come with, you know, proper training, uh, proper coaching techniques and things like that. And I know I'm not surprised, Frank, because the way the Mexican league is going right now, they're recruiting a lot of American players to come down here and play as well. Um, 
So uh, by having these leagues like this and going overseas, getting some of these good players. I mean, Frank, we interviewed a lot of guys from overseas that play ball, and you know, the ball is the bat, the football is different. But we got they got good players, Frank. You know, you can always find a diamond in the rough in each of these leagues. You know, whether it's a lineman, a kicker, a receiver, quarterback, you can you can always find a diamond in the rough. They just have to be coached up. That's all. Well, uh, I many think it's a of smart these players. Move. Yeah, no, many, many, of these players, many of these players, by the way, uh, especially a lot of the Mexicans, play college football in the United States. So they are, mm-hmm. they are U.S. trained football players, much like the Canadians that play there. Yep. yep. So, David, and, and, you know, and, oh, and going back down to Mexico to play, Frank, it's just it gives them something to do, make a little make a little jack for their pockets, and hopefully they can get seen. I mean, you know, hey, it all it all it's all about who sees you, um, who likes the way you play. All it takes is one team out of out of nine or thirty two, whatever you decide which way you want to go. All it takes is one team. Uh, absolutely, and and the players that that show that they're uh, quite capable of playing raise interest back home. And and that's something uh, that is important, right? Without that happening, uh, you don't have the growth of the game. The motivation for this, David, is the survival of the Canadian Football League, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, you need to be able to find the talent to play in the league because you can get players anywhere, but it's the level of talent you want, you know, if you can find a new avenue where you can get high quality talent, because what sells any league is not where the players are. I mean, it helps that you, you know, these, if some of these Mex- players from Mexico return home and you talk about how great the CFL is, and then maybe more of their teammates and, you know, that it improves the popularity of, other guys considering a football career, but the CFL, in order to sell itself, they need the as you know a great talent pool to you know draw in the best talent and have the best competition out on the field. You don't want to saturate the you know the competition just by only going to towards one you know talent area. You want to be able to expand that, and I think that's why they're doing the. Mexico, because, you know, it's good enough football. You know, these guys are, as you said, Frank, they're great athletes. Maybe they're not as experienced as, you know, players who've come from Canadian schools or even from, uh, you know, from the from the States. But if you teach them and they, they actually decide this is what, this is something I can do going forward, they're going to put, you know, you'll see these Mexican leagues put the investment into it in the lower levels because now, you know, other people will get that interest of wanting to pursue a career. And if the CFL is the place where they can go and do it, it it only helps the the league because you you have this talent level available, this talent pool available to you that other leagues, you know, arena football leagues, the NFL, um, now soon starting the XFL, you know, you're, the CFL is maybe getting ahead of the curve a little bit 
and saying we were here for we we've done it now we've established this relationship and now they can just build on it. Mike, were you aware that you the, know MLF, the MLF the uh, MLF Major League Football was coming back and is back? No, didn't know that, Frank. I just found out in the in the in the press box uh, in uh, at the Argo game that it's uh, oh. it's back and they've got an exhibition game going on. I think this week or next week on the subject of wow. other leagues. Wow, I never knew that, Frank. Uh, what teams have an exhibition game? Because I never knew I, about I, this. And I don't, um, I don't remember. It was a surprise comment. I was in the middle, of course, covering the Argos, and uh, and where the conversation started wasn't a good place to have the conversation. So uh, right. we had to stop talking about it. Needless to say, and uh, okay. but we can look for look forward to looking into it further. A former GM of the Toronto Argonauts is one of the people involved. Oh wow! And, and you know what? I, I don't even want to talk about Major League Football right now. Um, but one thing I do want to say, Frank and uh, David, uh, you know, the CFL is doing the right thing by going down here trying to promote the game in, in uh, Mexico and then plus overseas. But it's one thing I want you guys to watch out for, which I know the CFL probably will get involved in this next year, is over in Japan because Japan has a league called the X League. And that brand of football up there, these guys are more talented than what people might think. I mean, they pack houses of thirty, maybe forty thousand a game in some areas. Wow! And they really have they got some good football players. Frank, some of them got small stadiums. Then you have one team that has a big stadium, look like the freaking dome in Vancouver. Then they sell out. You know, um, so. Watch out for the X League because they have some very good players that's mature that can play in the CFL. And um, don't be surprised if you see a lot of these guys coming from the X League. Are, are they? Uh, do they have imports there, or, or, or are they strictly strictly Japanese native players? No, they, native they have Japanese. imports. You have Amer- you, you have American players uh, playing over in the X League. Um, former writers practice QB uh, Devin Gardner. University of Michigan quarterback played over in the X League. You have a lot of NFL guys that played over there. Oh. Oh yeah. Well, that's 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 very very interesting. Um, well, you know the game of football is is one that we forget does attract interest other than you know North America. David, what do you think it is that that is the motivator for a lot of these other countries and getting these football players, is it the reach of the NFL and the popularity of that league in the world? Um, well, I mean, in some countries, um, you know, they may only have the one sport, so they're trying to expand and look for other avenues that they can, you know, it's all about, generating, you know, interest. And, yeah, the NFL obviously is is such a big league and the revenue it draws that, you know, people wonder, can we dip into that, you know, a little bit? Um, It's tough to really know. Um, I think, you know, if you have enough uh, people within a certain country that are interested in playing football, I mean, 
uh, I don't know exactly how it would have started in Mexico, but I'm sure considering soccer was one of the few, well, soccer, you have baseball. I think we, we, you know, some of these countries start to, I don't want to say copy what the states do, but they just see how, how, uh, you know, invested money, you know, money-wise that people are in the sports leagues in, in the states. They're like, well, why don't we have that down here? Why should we go all the way up to, you know, to the United States to watch an NFL game? Why don't we have our own league down here? It's just the same as any other sport. You know, I'm sure in uh, in some countries are like, why should we only get to watch games up in Canada? Why why is Canada the only one to have, you know, the top, you know, hockey team? Why can't we have our own league? I think it's just trying to, you know, say, you know, these aren't the only teams, the only countries that are capable of doing this. We can do it as well. I think there's a bit of a pride level in that, just based on what I would for what I understand or what I think would be some of the motivation behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, we've lost Mike. Hopefully he'll come back and uh, he'll get a chance to contribute some more to the program. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, watching the games, it's important. And, 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 you know, the reason I mention it is because it's important that the games be very interesting and, and the talent level of the players be exposed. And, and so far, I know it's only been a couple of weeks. It's obvious that the talent level is not suffering. Um, you know, there was a, a, some concern with some other leagues that came in, and, and now it appears, uh, in my opinion, that it's had very little effect uh, on the CFL. And our, I think most of us that follow football, the Canadian Football League, football in general, are more than aware that there is an abundance of talent that is not being, you know, we're not dipping at the bottom of the bowl, if you follow what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. As yet. As yet. No, and, you know, people were thinking when the when that the Alliance uh, American Football League started, oh, does this mean the CFL would lose part of its talent pool? People were a little worried. But... <laughs> That that league didn't even last uh, a full season, only half a season. They went bankrupt and the league disbanded. You know, it, it doesn't become a problem until you see a big shift of you know what CFL doesn't want it, doesn't do what I think doesn't interest me, or you know, the XFL people are thinking that that one will have a little more back into it. We'll see. It's always too early to say, uh, but I think the CFL is just—it's established themselves enough throughout the years that you know, especially down the south, more and more players that want to keep playing, but the NFL isn't an option. They'll go to the CFL. They don't want to play in arena football leagues. They want to play the game that they know, um, and I—and the CFL provides that for them. There's so many players that come up here, you know, that fail, well, I wouldn't say fail, but just couldn't crack NFL teams, and they know, you know what, if I go to the CFL, I get to play, um, maybe it eventually leads to an NFL team showing interest in me, because for some of these players, that's the ultimate goal, but 
I think the CFL will always be number two for some of these players because of how well some of these players that come from down south are able to have success up here. It's not easy, to say the least. Oh, no. I mean, I every player I talk to uh, that come that have come up to the Argos, some of them, some uh, you know, Mark Tresmo always said this: if you come into the with into this league with the impression that you're going to be able to take it up easily and succeed, you've already failed. It is hard, you know, the wider field, the extra man, the you know, the rules that you know people might think is a uh, you know down south think it's a little weird the three downs it's what makes it a challenge you know you with the CSL with its different rules it's a challenge for these players you ask any of these guys and they're honest about it it is not easy sure it may some might make it look easy but they know how difficult it can be you know you ask any of the running backs that are used to you know cutting out wide um, in the NFL or cutting up the middle, if you know, they they know how tough it is because the space is limited, and the extra guy on the front line too makes it even tougher for a running back. There are so many challenges that I don't think players down in the, uh, in the states realize it until they come up here and they experience it, and they're like, oh, I actually have to really put forth an effort into this. Well, it's it's not easy, never been easy, and it's not going to be easy. It is what it is. That's just uh, the way it is. You can't it can't be avoided. And uh, you know, we've talked about the CBA. We've talked about the international influence in our game. Uh, let's talk about our national influence. We we have the Great Cup chance, the Calgary Stampeders. Talk about them first. This is the team that won the Grey Cup last year. This is a team that's been dominant over the years, a team that has, I think, arguably the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Uh, One would have to suggest, and not even suggest any longer, the most experienced general manager finds himself in Calgary. And they've got a pretty good coach there. Is, Is this team, is the early message emanating from Calgary and uh, training camp and the, uh, and the games they played against Saskatchewan. Is, is it an indicator of this? And let's be clear here, this young team, because they really have changed over the off season. Are they still the favorite in your mind or have they dropped to the pack? I think you always give the reigning champions that have been there. And look, not just winning in Calgary when they won, win the Great Cup, but how many times have they been right there? You know, you have the quarterback. You have Bowley by Mitchell who will always be, you know, any team that has Bowley by Mitchell will have a chance. As you said, they have good, great coaching. I know they lost uh, Claybrooks to BC. So, you know, there's there's been changes in Calgary, but how many times have we said, oh, they lost this guy or they lost that this guy? This is the year. I think this could be it. This is the this year, is the and then <laughs> and they just and they just do what they do. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they play even. You know, if they play, if they 
play as well, you know, well this year if they do it again. You, you won't be surprised at Calgary because they've established. I hate saying this, but I think in this case it's right the right culture. And from top to bottom, they have that consistency throughout the organization. And, uh, you know, anytime we think we can doubt them, just don't doubt them, guys. It's, it's, Calgary is that good. Um, I know one preseason game won't, shouldn't determine that, but just based on the track record from the past, what, uh, decade? I think it's safe to say Calgary is the crown jewel of the CFL. And uh, an organization that clearly, repeatedly, effectively, and sometimes without, you know, prediction, as we've said, we talk about it being, you know, the organization that's always seen, it always seems to be at the top, at least in the last 10 years. Will it continue? Um, I, I, I don't know that it won't, uh, but I don't know either that it will. But I do know that the people that run that show know what they're doing and have proven it over and over again. But at some point, you, you would think, you would think they'd have to rebuild. And this is the year, actually, that they're rebuilding. So this is going to be a test. Uh, as their coach said, he made it, Dickinson made it very, very clear. This is the most change we've had on this team as long as I've been here. And he's been there a few years. And I think he has been very close to that, to that feeling. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. Uh, they've, you know, they've got a situation in Calgary where they have a quarterback. They do need to work on their offensive line again, as they seem to every year. Their defense, they've lost a lot of the cornerstones of their defense, including their coordinator. And, you know, they've gotten very young. But if anybody's going to be able to rise in spite of those, you know, difficult changes, I think they're the ones to do it. I think they can, and it'll be very interesting. But I do believe, and I say this every year, I don't know if it's hope or actually prediction. I shouldn't make predictions because I never seem to get it right. <laughs> is is it the year, this year, the year where it is a very competitive Western division? It was last year outside of Calgary, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean – BC, you know, made that late surge in the season. Edmonton is always going to, you know, has been there. I think Winnipeg took a big step. Uh, Saskatchewan, obviously, uh, you know, they 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 showed defensively they were pretty good. Offensively, they had their ups and downs. Uh, Calgary has is, is just been that consistent team. But going into this year, I'm I'm really wondering who which team is going to challenge them because, you know, you look at BC, the move they made to bring in Mike Riley, so many changes made to that team. You know, you wonder if it's all going to uh, gel together, you know, and come together when it needs to because when a team goes through as many changes like that, it takes time um, to establish, you know, the right chemistry, it's not always easy. But I think they have enough veterans in there to do it. 
Edmonton will see how their you know how the changes work there. Uh, I'm a little iffy on Saskatchewan and Winnipeg. I think those are the two teams that will be tough for them to replicate what they did last year. So if anyone's really going to give Calgary a, a big challenge, I'm looking at BC first because the quarterback, Mike Rowley, is probably the closest you're going to get in the West to challenging Bo. Um, and, you know, Claybrooks with his defensive schemes, you know, he's a guy that knows Calgary very well. I think that's an advantage. Um, and we'll see if they can – they can get it all together in time uh, this season. I don't see why not. Um, in the Western Division, uh, the team that that many, you know, I think many believe could be the team to beat in the Western Division. Uh, is the BC Lions, and and that's simply by virtue of the quarterback Riley going out west, further west, I should say. Yeah, I mean when you when you the when your team that makes the big splash in free agency with the quarterback, a lot of attention gets put your way. Um, but they know what Mike Riley is capable of. We've seen him. You know, he's won the MVP. He took. Uh, Edmonton to the Great Cup and won a Great Cup. You know, I think this is a team that is going to really push. And yeah, you have Mike Riley, who I think is right up there as a top quarterback in the CFL. Only thing with him is if he just needs to remain healthy. Um, but you know, the, BC also loaded up offensively with some weapons for him. Um, if they can get all the budding heads to come together and work together, I think it could be a, it could be a good recipe for them. They they have some interesting acquisitions, you know, along with Riley. The addition of Carter, uh, Carter has, you know, uh, referred to as BC is a place where people are different. I'm paraphrasing. People are different and more welcome. He feels at home there. He doesn't feel so different. Um, they've always been a, um, a team with a great morale, you know, within the locker room and, and also at the airports where we've seen them many a time, uh, do some really interesting stuff. So maybe that's finally a resting place for him where he can spend more than part of a season. Do you think that's a possibility for Carter in BC? Um, it's tough. I, I thought Toronto would have been a good spot for him when he came here last year because of, you know, his, his uncle's connection to the team. He liked the big city. He liked, you know, there was a lot of things he liked about the city. But BC is pretty good too. They, you know, there is a very. Um, I mean, BC is just different because of where it's situated. Um, but yeah, I think for some guys, it's you know they want to establish the roots somewhere. I think for Duran, you know, he was very up and you no, know, really iffy on whether he was even going to play this year. And then you know the lines come calling, and I mean, if you're Duran, how could you say no to? the potential to play with Mike Riley. I think that's the first selling point. You get a good quarterback, it's going to make you as a receiver look pretty good too. And then BC is not a bad place to live. And uh, I think 
he'll uh, he'll do well in that regard. Um, he liked what Toronto offered, and I think BC you know playing in Vancouver will will help in that regard too. Yeah, it'll be a lot. It'll be a lot of fun, won't it? Like it'll be a lot of fun for him, and I think it'll be a lot of fun for the fans. Um, he is an entertaining. Given the opportunity here, now because I because I agree with you. Given the opportunity and commitment, possibly from, you know, from the organization, I think he has an opportunity to be very effective. The question always comes down to. Can he maintain a rep, uh, you know, a relationship within the locker room and most of all within the coaching offices? That that is um, uh, that is really tough, really really tough for him. Yeah, I mean, when he when he came to Toronto, I, I reference this because you know we experienced it, we saw it firsthand. You know, he was welcomed in that locker room. There was, I think when you have a locker room with a lot of veteran guys, um, it helped. He was really welcomed in the locker room. A lot of guys were, you know, they were hanging out with him. Uh, he had a guy like S.J. Green, who was a former teammate. I mean, his GM, I mean, was, uh, you know, knows him very well, knew him very well, too, Jim Pop. Um, I, I think he'll, he, the locker room shouldn't be too much of an issue. Because I think Mike Riley, you know, he, just because of how long he's been in the league, he's not a young guy. He's a veteran quarterback. They've got a lot of veterans on that team, and that usually helps. Um, as long as the veterans, in, in, as long as the voice in the locker room is able to, uh, they're able to manage the egos. I think that shouldn't be a problem, but, I mean, we won't know until they start playing the games and the results, I think, will also dictate that. Yeah, I, absolutely, and and uh, he does, and always will have a very special personality that might be difficult for some to negotiate, uh, work with, be around, you know, be a part of. But uh, you know, the the hope is because he's a very talented player, and and I've really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that he's done on the field during the play, not after the whistle, not after the game, not before the game, you know, not on the sideline. You know, the sideshow stuff has made it difficult for for people to believe that he can stick automatically. It always, you know, the history of those things seem to raise questions about him. So in BC, we'll leave it there. In, in BC we're talking about Riley. Riley did not have a great year last year. He he didn't have the kind of year that you expect from a Mike Riley. You agree? Disagree? Your opinion? Well, I I mean, there was a lot left on the table. I think it'd be in, uh, in Edmonton last year. Um, I know he had some, some illnesses and that he played through some injuries, things, um, yeah, it was a down year for him, but I think, you know, he'll. I mean, we're never going to doubt what he's going to, what his ability is after only one season. I think he will, uh, he'll get himself back in order. I think this year. I don't think there's any reason to be concerned 
for Mike Riley. But, um, I mean, he has a track record. It was a bit of a down year, but I think a new spot, I think, will just motivate him more to be the Mike Riley we know he can be. Let's get uh, Mike Townsend. He's back. Welcome back, Mike. We're talking about the Calgary Stampeders this year. And then the BC Lions will give you a chance to give an opinion on both those teams, starting with the Calgary Stampeders, who uh, won the Great Cup last year, Mike. Uh, how different are things going to be for them? Their lineup's pretty different. Their defensive coordinator's gone. Your opinion on uh, the Calgary Stampeders? Uh, Frank, um, me with the Calgary Stampeders, my, my opinion about the Calgary Stampeders, Frank, hasn't changed, and it won't change. Um, the lineup is different. You know, they're going to have a bunch of receivers that wasn't on the team last year or that was on the team that's going to get their uh, they time number one reps. this year. Mm-hmm. Number one reps. and But they still got Bo Levi Mitchell, Frank. And when you have a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell, I mean, anything's possible. You know, Bo goes, the Calgary Stampede goes. Point blank. You yeah, you're you're right. There is no argument with that. You are 100% correct. Um how about the BC Lions? We're t- we talked about Carter going there. We talked about Riley going there. This is a team that last year had a great finish to the season after having a poor start. Should they have a good start this season and play as well as they did at the end of the season as they did last year? Um, are they able and do they have the ability and why, if they do or don't, uh, to surpass Calgary? go beyond them and maybe steal first place? Do they have the makeup, do you think? Um, They have the makeup, but at the same time, Frank, I mean, uh, Mike Riley, does Mike Riley make a difference in BC? Yeah, he makes a little bit of difference. I mean, but this is the same Mike Riley that played for Edmonton that the Calgary Stampede has been knocking out the playoffs for the last, what, two, three years now? So... Uh, going to a different team, it might help a little bit. I mean, BC never had a shortage of talent as far as receivers go, uh, running backs go. It was just the quarterback position that couldn't get them over the top last couple of years. And now that they solved that, which I'm thinking they solved it, we don't know yet because uh, the season hasn't started. Um, I see them being up there, maybe second place, but knocking off the Calgary Stampeders, no way. Won't happen. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? Then yes, there's we the the team out west that uh, has, in some cases, I mean, some people suggest, some of the experts that we listen to suggest that Winnipeg is the sleeper team in that division. They have been dented a little bit defensively. But they do come back with two pretty strong quarterbacks, a defense with a pretty good reputation, a running back that is an all-star, and a Hall of Famer in the future. Um, The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, are they finally going to make that last step, you know, make those those big plays at the end of the year and have an opportunity to make more big plays in the postseason, are they ready for prime time, Mike? Well, Frank, you mentioned the quarterbacks, the two quarterbacks that they have. You mentioned the running back. 
but it's one particular person and one particular proposition that that former Seattle Seahawks, uh, former Calgary Stampeders that helped them win a great cup with his big catches. This right here, Frank, is going to be the turning point for the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They finally got another big play receiver to come in there and basically dominate that position. Um, we just got to get the guy the ball, and the offense got to get clicking. I mean, this is a big-time signing for these guys, for this guy. Three-year deal? Come on. They got him back. David, how do you feel about that? He was, that he was rookie of the year uh, when he played for Winnipeg um, some years ago. David, how do you feel about, about Winnipeg? You know, my, I love, you know, what they did last year was very impressive. Um, you know, Winnipeg, for me, has always been, can they maintain their level? I think, you know, they made some, as you, as you pointed out, Mike, they made some decent additions uh, uh, on the offensive side. Um, my question, though, is, and, and Frank, you brought this up, they have two good, you know, pretty good quarterbacks that could start in this league. But who is it going to be? You know, there's when you have two really good quarter, like two good quarterbacks. We saw the questions last year. Can can they manage the two quarterback system in a way that it doesn't become an unnecessary distraction? You know, when they when things start to go iffy for them, that was that frustration was really starting to bother the, the quarterbacks, especially Nichols. I'm I'm curious to see how that plays this year. I I've liked how Winnipeg has ascended. They've got the star running back. They've and they've improved their wide receivers. Defensively, we'll see if they can uh, they can maintain. I mean, they're big on the turnovers, and that's how they usually win games is on the turnovers and special teams. And then they make those big plays offensively with a shorter field. They'll need to really maintain that in order to be a sleeper team in that West Division. The, the, one of the things that I like about Winnipeg is the way the team, I guess, the the, the problems that they have, you know, that's what makes them likable to me. They implode in such incredible manners each and every year. You know, they they fall apart in the most strange ways. And I'll even go as far as saying unpredictably. And the interesting aspect that I find endearing uh, about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers football team is their fans, who rightfully, and I could be very negative here and say, well, you know, the fans are so negative, they drove Nichols up and around the bend, and and maybe possibly his loyalty to the fans and his, his willingness to go the extra little bit wasn't there, and that's why they lost. I don't think that's the reason. It, it, you could make a case for that, but I really do think that the patience in Winnipeg as much as the folks in Hamilton 
have not had a great cup in a very long time. In Winnipeg, it's a different kind of self-deprecation. They, and sorry, you know, they basically give themselves a hard time and, and they make it difficult for their team. I, I'm just wondering, can the team this year go a season without, you know, outsiders getting the impression that the Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans hate their football team or hate a player or don't want anything to do with their team or a player. I mean, do you see that they might be able to overcome that, guys? Uh, you first, David? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really hard for certain fans in any sport to be satisfied, and I think that's the case in Winnipeg. You know, they they start seeing success, and it's just it wasn't it didn't wasn't quite enough for them. And I'm I'm curious to see how if they go through some adversity, how do how does the fan base and the team react? But what they did, I I, I like the moves that they made in the offseason because they brought in guys that are established. They kept the Big Hill, which is massive for their defense. Bringing Willie Jefferson, we know what he's capable of. Darwin Adams, I mean. They've got guys that can, I think, ascend the team. Can they, and I think this is the question that you're probably asking, right? can they maintain and keep the expectations from crumbling, you know, crumbling under the expectations? I think they can. It's all depending on the quarterback, I think. Can he maintain his composure? Can he stay healthy? And that's going to be the key for them, I think. They can, but I'm not gonna put all my uh, my back. I'm not gonna 100% throw everything I have and think I think it's gonna happen. I think it should, but I'm not totally confident that it will just yet. Mike, how about you? Well, Frank, I agree with David. They brought in some key additions: Willie Jefferson, Chris Matthews, Cat Big Hill, but. Like all teams in the CFL, Frank, they start off hot, then they hit that little rough patch. But see, when they when the Blue Bombers hit that rough patch, the fans need to stay focused and, and cheer their team on. I mean, because they basically turned on them last year when they hit that rough patch, and was calling for Matt Nichols to get benched in order in uh, favor of Chris Trebler. Um It's going to happen, but I don't, I can't put all my eggs in that basket just yet, Frank. They still got a ways to go. And when you say that, you're you're referring to the fact that they might not have the team yet. Then here's another question, and this one here, this one here, I think is the most important question. If Nichols falters again this year, because he has done it each and every year, he's been there, and usually at the end of the year, at the most inopportune time, will Chris Thereveler? be given the head coach's approval to be a starter, David. Will that happen this year if things start to go off the rails again? Uh, I think I think you have to. I think, you know, when you're a team that's made the moves that, that Winnipeg's made, you can't put that to chance. I, I don't like that, I, you know, that flip-flopping between quarterbacks, but because both of them were there last year, it, I think it helps the situation that they can turn to one guy, 
uh, when the other one struggles. Um, I'm just I don't like the idea of the clock and the and you know oh if they don't do it by then they're in trouble. I, I and or he's starting to struggle. At what point does he come out or what point does he get switched? I think you have to eliminate that until the absolute right time, and you can't leave that lingering over anyone's head. You can't have Nichols looking over his shoulder if he throws an interception or two. You have to say, we're going to give him the keys, let him roll with it, and then wait for the right time that if it doesn't work out, then you can pull the plug on it. So we've discussed the Calgary Stampeders, the BC Lions, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, two teams left, two teams, again, uh, fan bases that have been disappointed um, over a short term. I mean, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have done a lot of great things, but now the effect of Chris Jones Mike, does does will it affect the success level of this team this year? Has it has it slowed down the pace of the improvement each and every year this team seems to have had? Um, is this the year, in spite of the change at you know, at, in all the positions, GM, coach, vice president? <laughs> no, this is not the year, Frank. And and Ryder fans, don't get mad at me. But I'm just going to tell it like it is. Um, you know I like the Riders, Frank. Um, one of my favorite teams now. But what's going to happen when Zach Caleros go down second or third game of the season? What you going to do then? Do you, do you really feel that Zach Caleros will, 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 you know, he won, I think it was 10 games last year, Mike. Yeah, he won ten games last year, Frank, but he's injury prone. You know, when you when Zach Claire's rolls out, you got to actually hold your breath to make sure he gets hit and gets back up. I mean, is he the quarterback for a team? Yes, he is, but you you have to question how long because the dude can't can't he can't keep taking too many hits like that and concussions and uh, and come back on the field. Man, they have to have a Band-Aid for that, and I don't think they saw that Band-Aid just yet. Dave, does he have, has he had, will he have a healthier season this year? Um, Has he had less uh, traumatic hits to deal with the past year? Um, Do you see an ability for him to be healthy? We know he can be good, but if he doesn't get to play, he can't be great. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've been a huge Zach Caleros fan when he was with the Argos. Um, in terms of, I liked the the talent he brings. Good arm, he can win you games for sure. Yeah, I, I, the injuries have just they overshadow a lot. When a guy who's been unable to stay on the field, that stuff lingers on you. It, it doesn't just go away. Um, there have been guys who have been able to overcome it, obviously, but um, I think it, it's a lot of holding your breath, as Mike said. You know, it, it's not like you can say, oh, it's not like a Ricky Ray. 
where you you get hit, and he likes to get hit to make that play, and you know, it could it could take him out. I think it's almost the same with Caleros now, where he gets hit, and you're just like, oh, especially concussions. Concussions are not, you know, it's not like a broken arm where you can patch it up and by this time it's healed. Concussions vary, you know, severe, mild, you know. I, I think that's the concern. The concussion issue can be a really, it, it's just going to be such an, uh, they're taking such a gamble with that. Um, I hope that he is healthy because, you know, I, w- I don't want a team fortunes to go down because the quarterback gets hurt. But they're ta- they would take a chance by rolling the dice with the guy who has that uh, that injury history. Yeah, I, I, the, you know, to add my comment, agreed, very talented, agreed, a winner, agreed, he makes things happen, agreed. Head trauma is a problem for him. Historically, repeatedly, and it seems each and every year. But I really do think that I guess because I'm one of those, I don't know anybody that deserves a break any more than he does in the Canadian Football League health-wise. And I hope, and I hope, and this is what we all hope, I think, is that the game of football, unfortunately, needs to shed itself of this reputation for head trauma. And and this year, hopefully, we won't be looking at some missed calls, some bad plays, some, you know, it's not just about the officials missing a play. It's about players not wanting to give up that hard, high hit. And it has to be removed from the game. And and players today have to be made to understand it needs to be removed from the game. The problem is some really good players are delivering those kinds of hits, guys. And when they do it, it's harder to punish them. At least that's what some people think. Um, what do you guys think, Mike? Yeah, yeah, Frank, I agree with that. It's, you got some good players making the hits, but at the same time, punish them like you would do somebody, like you would do another player. It's not just so great for delivering them blows. I mean, because some guys know what they're doing. And, so, and, and just, sometimes is it intentional? It is. Sometimes it's not. But that's where you have to make the judgment call on the severity of punishment you're going to give these guys. But I, I think, you know, um, it, it, it it's gonna be a lot of missed calls, Frank. It, it, it happens. You know, it has the has the uh, refereeing improved? Yes, it has. The officiating has improved a little bit, but there's always missed calls. In any sport, there's always a missed call. So there's not gonna be a, a perfect officiating game by any means. But you just have to call the right call at the right time. That's all. Name these quarterbacks, David. I am a, a big proponent that head, shot, head trauma is a very serious thing in that if you, if a player 
voluntarily launches their you know, head first or puts a shoulder into a guy's head, you need to send the message that that's not going to get tolerated. There was issues. Uh, there was that guy in Ottawa last year. I, I the name escapes me right now, um, but he launched himself at a at, um, into a quarterback's head, and there was, I think he got fined. And and look, I understand that in the CFL, some of these guys will make a lot of money. So I actually think it should be games for hitting a guy in the head, like. If, if let's say a Zach Caleros gets hit in the head, um, you know, illegally, or you know, headshots. I mean, all headshots should be, are pretty much illegal now in football. Um, why should that player only get fined when a guy like Caleros, who's had a history of concussions and could have, get a concussion from a hit like that, be sidelined? I think mean, the CFL needs to take a stance on. There's you know, players are starting to take a more active role in, in going up against leagues, and we're seeing in other sports, for head trauma. Don't put yourself in a position where you become liable to these things down the road. Nip it at the butt. It's, you know, right now, say we're not tolerating this. The safety of, of our players is really important, and I think you got to teach these players, A, quarterbacks don't lean in with your head, on certain plays and put yourself in that vulnerable position. But defensive players don't take advantage of that vulnerability too. If you can make a play, a safe play, make the safe play. It it comes both ways, and I think it's possible. I know the speed of the game makes it tough at times, especially for the officials. But the CFL command center, I think, should play a role in that and try to make sure that safety is maintained. If a guy gets in the head, he has to come out. If the guy who hit the head is still in the game, I think he should come out too. It should go both ways. You're not allowing it to continue. You have to nip it as soon as you can. Yep, there you go. Absolutely. I just wanted to add a, a comment that John Strutt made. Uh, he thinks that Riley might have changed teams, made more money, but expect more of the same. Um Yeah, and John mentioned something that I think we all agree with, that right now, the way it looks, but, you know, it's changing rapidly. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have the best one-two punch at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Thank you, John, for your comment. Thanks, John. I have some news to, drag, to put on top of that before we get into our next topic. Go ahead. The Argos, uh, I mean... I'm not surprised. Some people might find this surprising, but the Argos released Anthony Coombs and uh, Gagnon, the fullback. I'm. Some people were wondering about Coombs in training camp. He didn't seem to have a big, uh, a big role in the team's training camp. Um, and now we know why. I think it's going to be Levi Noel now taking that spot from uh, from Anthony Coombs. Just wanted to drop that in there because I just caught the news right now wow that's uh when we when and if we have time to talk about the argos that's that's a that's a big commitment going the other way for the toronto argonauts coombs was always you know um a fixture on the depth chart a high fixture on the depth chart unfortunately injuries have been 
a real demon to this poor guy. This guy has has had injury after injury, and you know he could have been and and should have been one of the best Argos. You know uh, he was Jory. He was the new Andre Jory. You know he was that guy, and it just never panned out for him. I'm really disappointed to hear that he's gone, and and I hope. Uh, he gets a chance to resurrect his career in another city. You know, it is what happens in football, even though a player has been with the team for a while, the new coach comes in, you know, it's not that he's not loyal to the guy. The coach just doesn't have an attachment for him. And, and, and that's just the reality of football, David, don't you think? Well, I mean, we've already seen the Argos make it, make it clear um, guys who have had injury problems in the past that, Either you're going to su- surround them with more depth or you're cutting bait with some of these guys. Um has just plagued the Argos too much, especially last year. I think, look, Anthony Coons, you're definitely right. I think his talent level was unquestionable. Um, you know, this is a guy that worked hard. But ironically, just like Andre Dury, the injuries is just too much for him, I think. Um, maybe maybe he comes back. I mean, I, I see if well, maybe, he will pick him up. May, well, maybe David he does the same thing Andre Dury did. Don't forget, Andre Dury had a massive injury that was supposed to end his career, and he came back yeah. to win a Grey Cup with the Argos and have some incredible seasons after that. Yes, he did, and I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out. I think you know if, when you're a player that's just getting released. You know, teams are going to be making their cuts as well. You know, somebody could could say we have a pack, you know, a practice squad, uh, a practice uh, roster spot. But considering he's Canadian, that makes the you know any team that is looking to add a guy on offense, especially out of the backfield because that's his specialty. You, you pounce on the opportunity. I think a team will give him that starting opportunity. And the reason why I think the Argos made the decision is because Levi Noel is going to take that role a bit more. I think they like him in the offense. Um, and uh, I think with, you know, with Jack uh, Chapeldan there, I hope I said his name correctly. Chapeldan? Uh, the yeah. offense is good. Yeah. His, uh, his offense, I mean, we'll talk about the Argos offense, I think. Uh, but um, I think Coombs the writing was sort of on the wall for him uh, for in training camp. Well, especially if he didn't, if he didn't, you know, show that he could physically keep up with everybody else. I, I think it's clear that he could not. And because he could not, it was a problem for him. And, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, I don't, you know, it's the it's the one thing I don't like about sports. You know, it really is the one thing I don't like, and 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 that is there are ends to careers that are far too soon, and not giving someone that you learn to like personally and enjoy his talent. And then have them just their career just end like that on a dime. It is the thing I don't like 
a lot about sports. You know, that's the one thing I don't like about sports, David. I, and I hope I'm not overstating it. No, I mean, we've seen too many players who I think, you know, they, like how many football players, especially football is the big one, a broken leg, you know, I mean, you look at Joe Theismann, like guys like that where it's just like the – you you want to see them have long successful careers, and the one thing that's going to keep them out is something that, in most ways, they can't control. That's what kills me, especially the ones that it gets them early. Like Anthony Coombs is not an old player; he's a young guy. That's just it. That's the problem. It, that's that that's that that it. really hurts. Um. I, I, I try to remain impartial because of my role in the media, but you don't, you're not heartless in these situations. You have, you feel bad for these guys because you know how much work they put in, the dedication, what this means to them. Like for them, for these guys, it's like football was what they wanted to do. And in some cases, it's the only thing they, they really know how to do well. And it, it's, it's very unfortunate because, you know, the, the, the life, you know, the life expenses uh, of a career in the, you know, the career expectancy is not very high. And that's the for- unfortunate part, but it is also business. You know, these teams are in it to win it and, you know, tough decisions have to be made. And uh, you just hope the team is, you know, has done their due diligence in these types of situations. Absolutely. Yeah, it's Absolutely. Like, it's like one of the things that you say, what have you done for me lately? It's a a business, and it's a business without a, for the most part, when it comes to player in, player out, a conscience. It lacks, there's no room for a conscience, especially, you know, nowadays with the cap. Back in the day, you know, if you wanted to keep a guy, it meant you spent a little more money, but you didn't lose a player because you wanted to keep him. You know, that's one of the drawbacks of the, you know, of the cap, the, every player has to justify their presence. There, there are no, you know, there are no opportunities for, um, you know, um, giving a guy some loyalty because you like them. It that's been removed. That's not an option anymore. Not if you want to win. Well, and that's just the thing with the Argos, you know. They love what Anthony Coops brought, but it was when you know how how much could you count on it? You know, I think there was one game. It was I think McLeod Bethel Thompson's first start against BC last year. Anthony Coops was massive in that game, and then after that, you know, it was uh, I don't I can't remember if it was the very next game or something like that. He was he was back on you know back in practicing on the sides because he couldn't participate in practice. He was hurt. It's just, you know, you can't... You Sometimes GMs get in, in big trouble. And Pop, I think, got in trouble a little bit last year of putting his faith in, in these players from 2017. But they were starting to get hurt. You know, Bear Woods, Marcus Ball. Um, I mean, Walder, he got hurt and but now he's realizing I need to make sure these guys, I have a plan B, even a plan C in some cases. I think that was his big, 
big goal in the off season, and I it should pay off better this time around. Absolutely. Well, listen, guys, uh, we've got one more team, the Edmonton Eskimos, and we'll save the West for next week. Let's uh, finish the East this week and then talk about the games that are coming up. The Edmonton Eskimos minus Mike Riley, um, a team that now has Trevor Harris. Mike, a big fan of the Ottawa Red Blacks previously. Um, will 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 he make a will Harris make a difference in Edmonton? One that even Mike Riley couldn't lift the team into the playoffs, let alone the championships. Well, Frank, you know I like Trevor Harris. Uh, do I see? Do I see it being a big difference? Uh, nope. I don't see it being a big difference. Um, the only only thing difference between the Edmonton Eskimos—they got Trevor Harris and Mike Riley—it's still gonna be the same Edmonton Eskimos. Will they have a good season record? Of course, but but they still have to go against Big Brother, man. You know. And as long as Big Brother's sitting there demolishing these teams, I'm talking about the Calgary Stampeders on the West and, and continue making them these, making them their girlfriends, it's not going to ever happen, man. You know, I don't care what you bring in or who you bring in to be the quarterback, you got to go get the Calgary Stampeders. Point blank. And I like but the Edmonton, here, but, but the Edmonton Eskimos – does he at least bring them into the playoffs this year? Does he does he raise the level yes. of expectation for that team? It's kind of hard, isn't it? Because uh, yeah, yeah. on on historically, I, I mean Rick. Harris Harris does not rise up to be good as Riley. No, he raises the level, Frank. He's going to get them into the playoffs. But see, what hurts Trevor Harris is when they get to the big game or get the big moment, and he kind of falters a little bit, plays under pressure, because if you notice, when he's, when he's under pressure, Trevor Harris is not that good. He's not that good. Now, when Mike Riley's under pressure, you can see vintage Mike Riley. He gets, he gets the ball out. Uh, he run if he have to. Mike Riley plays good under pressure. Trevor Harris, ah, not so good. Oh, he brought him to the Great but, Cup, so he. I think. I think he's yeah, capable yeah, yeah. of uh, of bringing them into the playoffs and having a little bit of success. David uh, Edmonton uh, with with Harris, uh, can they be better? Well, they this suffered a massive blow. The massive blow with Anthony Parker uh, rupturing his Achilles, so he's out for the season. Um. Uh, you know, look, Trevor Harris is a really good quarterback in the CFL. He's, a, I, I think, a easily top. You know, when you put him along with, like, you have Bo, you have Mike Riley. Trevor Harris has has put established himself, I think, among up there in the top three, four. You know, if you look at three, four, Jeremiah Mazzoli, depending on where you have him. Um, I I think the relationship with him and Jason Moss because they do have that relationship when they were in Toronto. So it's not like it's a new thing, you know, two guys that have never really played for each other or worked with each other. I think that helps. Um, I'm, I just don't know if Edmonton, it's really tough. I think they're going to be like middle of the pack this year. 
I just don't know if they have enough, as as Mike mentioned, to get a pass to Calgary. I even think BC might bolt. I mean, I know we know last year um, Edmonton just missed out on the playoffs. I I think it could be a similar situation depending on what Winnipeg and and BC do. Um, maybe Saskatchewan's the team that takes a dip. We'll see, but I'm I'm curious. I think it's just Edmonton is not the thing really attractive there to say they're ready to take a step up. I think it's either they're gonna stay the stay the course of what they did last year, or maybe a slight improvement because Trevor Harris, uh, you know, is still a really good enough quarterback to lead a team to the playoffs. Okay, that wraps up our our view of. Uh, I think he can bring him into the playoffs. He has had issues. Yeah, Harris has had problems, obviously, uh, finishing, but uh, he's not unique in that regard. And, and you know, and that, and that ends that that reputation ends with a championship. Can he do it with Edmonton this year? They've got a great organization. Uh, but their weak link is management, and that's that comes from their own fan base. They're not happy with their management team there. Um, but I do think, but I do think uh, they get a lot more blame than they deserve. And of course, the head coach needs to maybe be a better example uh, when it comes to being, you know, um, you know what we've learned uh, here in Toronto with the Raptors. Uh, the biggest quality that Leonard Kawhi Leonard has is his demeanor. It could be very frustrating to play a guy who looks like he doesn't, you know, nothing bothers him. And unfortunately in, in Edmonton, the opposite is true. So the upcoming games this week feature some very interesting, uh, some very interesting matchups. I love all these matchups guys. They all have a relevance to them. Uh, Needless to say, starting with Toronto and Hamilton, pretty relevant game, David. I think it's relevant for um, the guys that, uh, especially on Toronto, that are uh, maybe on the cusp. That's what uh, Corey Chamberlain said at practice today, that anyone who's on the cusp, this is the game to prove it. I mean, it's obviously the only game left to to prove it. Um, But I, I like the fact that I expect both teams to play their starters until obviously they feel it's not necessary anymore. So um, I'm, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to how these two teams match up because I think it's these two teams that are going to battle for the top of the East. And, and not that far ahead of the other two teams. I got to say, Mike, uh, your comment on the, you were there at the game last year. Manziel was playing that game a year ago. Um, looked okay. Uh, is is the interest in in watching a game in Hamilton now wane for you? It uh, disappear a little bit. No, no, it hasn't disappeared, Frank. Um, I, I would love to go to a preseason game this year. Um, but it's not going to happen because I'm out here grinding hard. But I do got um some games I'm going to this year. But I like like David said, man. These preseason games is coming up is for guys that's on the bubble that got to get out here and show and prove. And um, if you if you find your diamond in the rough, believe me, it's going to be some surprises and it's going to be some 
some people that you might that you might not think that get released uh, after these preseason games are going to get released and be on other teams before the season starts. So, um, hey, I'm just I'm just waiting for the season to start. That's all I'm waiting for. I can care less about preseason, frankly. I don't know. So, so you don't have a prediction for this one? Nah, don't have a prediction. Okay, no prediction to, for my. I go with my. I, I go with the Argos, man. My new favorite team. There you go. How about you, Mikey? Uh, David, sorry. Um, you know the one <laughs> people kept asking me whether I was going to go to Hamilton to watch this game. I mean, I'd love to go. The problem is on a weeknight, trying to get to there, but I also have. Work during the day is just not feasible for me. Um, I'm I, yeah. I, I always um, I'm just I'm very curious. I think there will be a stream online, by the way, if you want to watch the game uh, at the Covey yeah, Home. Hamilton does Hamilton does that. So there is that possibility, and um, yeah, I mean McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to start. From what the depth chart says, I mean, it's tough to go by those in the preseason. But um, there's a couple other things I'm looking forward to in this game because, I mean, when you look at the Argos kicking situation, there are uh, four kickers, four or five kickers looking to make the team. They have two international guys that have really strong, I mean, really strong legs. And I think the competition is going to be really good. And I'm curious to see how they do defensively against Hamilton. I mean, I don't know how competitive this game is going to be, but I think there's guys that are going to try to prove that they're ready to start this season. Don't disagree. Uh, it, it will be interesting. The importance of this game is not lost on the fans. It always riles both fan bases. It's always a giant interest when Hamilton and Toronto meet. It's always a thrill to go to Hamilton and listen to how riled they get against the Argos. The passion is, as always, it's in, it's it there's it's palpable and and it's it's a great experience. Yeah, sometimes it goes over the top, but I got to tell you, being uh, being there to watch the Argos play Hamilton, always a thrill, always exciting, and I'm sure it'll be a great game. Another game of relevance, as as you both seem to, well, at least you, David, felt that Toronto and Hamilton might be fighting for first. I don't think either Ottawa and Montreal, who are our next game, are far behind that. Montreal is in a position, both these teams, to establish whether the improvements they made last year they can build on, and for Ottawa, whether the losses that they've had in talent – the talent train that they've had experienced may affect them in being, you know, the top team in the Eastern division as they've been the past few years. Mike, as a, a fan of the Ottawa Red Blacks, is change bad or, or can change be good in Ottawa? Oh, Frank, 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 change is always good. Frank. And, you know, I was reading, was it either yesterday or today? Finally, Dom Davis gets his start, Frankie. You know how high I've been on this guy for, what, the last three years, ever since he was in Winnipeg? You know, um, we get to see him. We get to see him start now, Frank. This is his his time to shine. It's only his job to lose. He does have the inside track, without a doubt. Yes. 
although he is the least yes. experienced quarterback of the two. And you know who I'm referring but, to, our favorite BC yeah, Lions quarterback, former. Yeah, yeah, J.J. But you know what, Frank, I'm not going to say the least experienced because the guy had been in the CFL for what, going on five years now, five, six years, five years? And I think it's, and it's his third year in Ottawa, so he knows the playbook, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second year in Ottawa because he came last year. So second year, and uh, he spent three years in, 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 in uh, Winnipeg. So uh, to say that he's the least experienced as far as game-wise go, yes. But he's been in the league, so right now it's time to put up a shut-up. And there has been talk, and their coach is a little upset because people refer to him, Dominique, as, or Dominic, whichever, um, is known for his mobility. But the coach says, and I have no doubt, because I've seen, he's got a great arm as well, Mike. Yes, he does, Frank. And he's shown flashes of that big arm when he was at Winnipeg when he did play preseason and when he did, you know, get out in the game. So he does not lack. Uh, you know, big time play. He just got to get out there and show what he can do. It's time for him to put up, Frank. He can put up or shut up, like I just said. It's time to play. Time to play some ball. David, and I believe he's gonna have a big year. Um, I think Ottawa won't won't see too much of a drop off. Um, I mean, yeah, it's all gonna be on the quarterback. And whether they can, uh, I, I mean, it's good that they have two guys that, you know, are have proven that they can start. I mean, Frank, Frank, uh, Mike knows a lot more about the about Davis than I do, but I'm I'm curious to see because yeah, there's quite a quite a bit of change there. Um, maybe the fact that they won't have, they they maybe they're being underestimated a little bit by guys like myself who I, I don't see them as a top echelon team in the East. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to see how Ottawa does this year. I think, you know, you go to the Grey Cup, it, it doesn't work out. You hope that that reinvigorates and that re-energizes the organization to really push for that again. Uh, but, I'm yeah, I'm really curious to see how they play this year. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, two teams that uh, battled to the end of the season for a key position in the playoffs. Both the teams have different issues. I think the issues now uh, in there is a question as to whether organizationally speaking, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders can continue their progress. Do you guys what do you guys think as far as the progress based on the departure of Chris Jones, Mike, in Saskatchewan? Uh, the departure of Chris Jones did kind of hit the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders a little bit. But I, but this is the writers, Frank. They didn't have, what, one or two coaches before Chris Jones. And the Rough Riders are going to be the Rough Riders, Frank. It's all about the coaching and, and the players playing to their potential. Rough Riders had a slide before. And um, the fan base still rides them, you know, ride, ride the coattails, and they support their team. So, you know, if the Rough Riders have a slide this year, it's all good. You know, at least they can be 500 uh, at best. Will they beat Winnipeg? 
they're the home team. Nope. Mm-mm. David. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I mean, I know it's the first. Uh, you know, pre. It's uh, the first preseason home game for the Rough Riders. I think they'll do better than the one point they scored against uh, Calgary, but I don't see them pulling off with the win. Yeah, and, and and then of course we finally have Calgary and BC, the two teams that many think will be battling out for first place. Our first opportunity maybe to see a little bit of a time with Bo Levi up against, I don't know if they'll put Bo Levi and Riley in, but it'll be our first opportunity to see them, uh, you know, on opposite sidelines, which is, which is, you know, their, their, their battle that they've had over the years now changes location. Does that make any difference, Mike? If this was a season game, It'd be the biggest game of the season to watch. Or it'd be in preseason. Maybe a couple of snaps out of both for the, the starters and then let them get on the sideline, drink some Gatorade, and share a couple of hot dogs. You know what I'm saying? No. It's not going to be as hyped if it was a season game. Put the backups in, let them see what you can get. David? I think, um, yeah, I mean, Riley, you want to see him get some reps, but. Yeah, I think they're, the, both these teams are going to be saving themselves for the regular season. The last thing you'd want, especially with the money they're throwing at these quarterbacks, you know, yes, is sir. they get too excited at the preseason and then something happens. Um, I think Raleigh, you'll see him play. I think he should play at least one, one or two series, if that. Um, because, look, for him, he doesn't, you know, he's been there, he's done that. You don't need to see a lot from him. So, um, you put a lot of money into that quarterback, save him for the regular season, but um, at the same time, you want to make sure he's not totally, you know, ru- you know, he wants to ha- have no rust going into the regular season as well. Finally, gentlemen, um, before we go, um, any uh, comment, uh, any opinion that we failed to breach, um, David? The Alouettes. I'm uh, I'm really concerned about what's going on with them right now. I mean, the league taking. I mean, apparently it's been noted that the league has been involved with them uh, business wise for a little bit, but that's a team. I'm not. You know, people in Montreal will not support a losing team. I'm concerned about that for them. Um, I think they've got some interesting young pieces that want to make the, you know, prove something. I think it'll be tough for them, but I'm curious to see, I mean, Montreal is a team I'm a little concerned about. Um, And look, I don't like to see teams struggle like that. Um, I mean, the Argos had their struggles with, with ownership for the longest time until MLSC brought some stability there. Um, I hope Montreal is able to sort that out because we know what when that team is on and when that team is winning, that city is a pretty good fan base um, for that for that team in this league. Uh, Mike, are you aware that the team uh, has been? They refer to it as being sold by the owners to the league. Um, some with little less. Um, you know, with a little more pessimism, suggest that it was another one of those times when somebody throws the keys on the front desk. Um, 
do Montreal uh, have uh, the ability uh, to survive, in your opinion? Uh, Frank, and, and, and you know, I, I'm a big CFL fan. Montreal is one of my favorite teams uh, some years ago when they almost had that one big play to go to the uh, Great Cup when they played Hamilton. Um, right now, Frank, this is just a sinking boat waiting for the front end to go underwater. Uh, the CFL is taking ownership of this team. Uh, another owner backed out of uh, trying to purchase the uh, Alouettes I read this week. And one thing about the CFL, they'll take a little loss. But if they take a big loss when it comes to the Montreal Alouettes at the end of the season, it's a real big loss. They don't mind folding the team and starting over from scratch. So we're, uh, we're, they, they have to put a winning team out there, Frank, or the fans are not going to uh, – they're not going to come out. Frank Blank. David Naylor uh, has suggested that uh, – Two businessmen from Montreal, Vince Guzzo and Clifford Stark, um, and a group led by Alouette's player Eric Lapointe. Uh, they were interested over the past couple of weeks in potentially purchasing the Alouettes. Uh, it appears, though, Guzzo and his interest in the team on hold, while Stark and Lapointe uh, group are no longer in the running. So, you know, they didn't hear what they wanted to hear. Um, and this is a concern always in the Canadian Football League when a team is uh, being abandoned by, by ownership without someone to hand the team over to. Uh, if the CBA is an example of how Randy Ambrosi will handle a difficult situation, and this one being a team that does not have an owner, they can't be like this long can they David it's something that they need to resolve ASAP and ensure that you know the day-to-day operations that you know the the management office of the organization the team has the wherewithal not the weather all but the wherewithal um, to do what needs to be done and have the ability to do it I don't doubt that the the league will provide them with everything they need the question is, will they be able to handle it? Because when there's a pall that develops over an organization when they don't have ownership in this situation, it doesn't yield a lot of confidence in its employees, and the employees here are players. That's exactly right. Um, if you're a player right now, this is the last thing you need because, then, A, the media will, will ask them about it, I mean, how many times do were the Argos players asked about it? How many times were they asked about, you know, the attendance? Like, those things really bother players. They, that's a lot. They don't come up here to play football. They don't come play football to talk about those things. They come up to talk about the game. And I think that's going to be a concern because now it's right out in the open with the CFL taking ownership. Um, if you're the league right now, your number one priority is obviously finding – an owner that, you know, has the same passion level for the Alouettes that, you know, has made them thrive in that city. That's what they need to get back to that point. Um, Obviously also finding the right, you know, I don't know if that means also finding the right management group to lead it as well. Um, I don't know where exactly the concerns may have lied with the other investors that pulled out. 
But if you're the CFL, the fact that you have to take ownership should speak a lot. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the expansion out into the Atlantic, uh, out you know on the on the East Coast there. Um, this is something you don't want to have to deal with as a league, and the fans are not going to be happy about it. And players certainly aren't going to be happy about it. And if you're the CFL right now, when you're looking to do expansion, this is the last thing you'd want. Exactly. Well, yeah, Mike, go ahead, please. No, I was just agreeing with David. I said exactly. You you, you don't want to deal with this knowing that you have expansion coming up on uh, in the East. Come on, it, it 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 won't. It makes it look real bad, Frank. So this has to be resolved quickly, because if it doesn't, when the schooners does uh, come out and play, uh, whenever year they come out, the league is going to be the same old league, nine teams, because the CFL is not going to continue uh, owning a team and taking major chunk losses. This is not going to happen. It's not going to do it. They're for that team and stick with the nine teams and concentrate on the uh, on the schooners, making sure that they have a good fan base, things like that. So it has to be taken care of. And 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 that you know the writing is on the wall. This is you know we've seen this you know before. Uh, Montreal running into trouble with uh, an ownership group that just can't do it anymore. I hope this isn't the case. But you, but you know what, Frank? If if football is not all that great in Montreal, I mean, there's other cities in Canada, man, that has stadiums. I'm pretty sure that would like to have a uh, a CFL team, uh, a la London, London, Ontario. Agreed. Quebec City, because um, London is a not big, interested. big sports city. Yeah, I, you know, I London a, is a big I city. A, I had a conversation, Mike, with somebody. Um, from Quebec, and he assured me that there's no way a team will end up in Quebec City, and we've discussed it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, London is a big sports team because, you know, I go out there, Frank, for the NBA Canada games, and they and they sell out. So, you know, places like London, uh, I mean, you even have Sarnia. You know, you, you have to check places, man, that, that would like to have a CFL team and that would support it. I mean, because obviously Montreal is not supporting their team. I, I agree. The London Kitchener area is uh, a nice little community mm-hmm. that uh, could support a CFL team, I think, if they're yes. interested. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you you look at the success of the university programs over there. That's where it starts, right? Guelph, uh, Waterloo, uh, Western. Like those two teams feel. I mean, how many how many teams CFL teams grab players from those two schools alone? Um, I think that that will help the CFL if they need to go down that route. Um, I, I think obviously it will look bad on the CFL if they have to move a team like the Owls, who've been in Montreal for as long as they have. But I mean. You also need to make sure that you're servicing your league in the right way and you're being responsible. But the last thing you want your teams to be seeing is the league sponsoring a a team like the Owls, who, frankly, may not deserve it. I mean, 
you know, they need they, something needs to change there for their either their fortunes to turn around or for the league to say we need to take drastic action with this with this franchise. And it, and it really and, is. And the thing about I, this, Frank, it, it, this is not the first time it happened in Montreal either. It's not the first time. No, no, it's not, and we're all aware of that, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yep. So something has to happen. The question is, what will happen? And that's a question some of us may or may not get an answer. Listen, gentlemen, thank you for being on the program. David, thank you for hanging around much longer than you were able or intended. I really appreciate awesome. it. Mike, as usual, your support is always appreciated. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank no you, Frank. Frank. No, it was great to talk about this, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's take it. I've been ready for this. <laughs> we'll talk again next week. Let's take it out with uh, Corey Chamberlain talking about the Toronto Argonauts and how things stand uh, in training camp. Well, you know, I think, you know, you know, it's, it's Jock's mindset and the way that, uh, you know, he and I mess pretty well in terms of, we, you know, we want guys to, uh, we want an exciting offense. We know that we have to score points. And, you know, I think that uh, he's been around this league long enough and he has a good offense that he knows how to score points. Uh, you know, we've worked together several times and he's been a worthy opponent on the other side. So uh, I'm very excited about this offense. We have the athletic talent. We have the ability. Uh, we just have to turn all that potential into production like we did today. Yeah, that was some encouragement. And, you know, there's some things that, uh, you know, in terms of once we break down the film that we'll be able to dive into a little bit more and fix. But nevertheless, uh, the offense was efficient when it needed to be to get the points. Uh, slowed down a little bit when the backups came in. But nevertheless, we ended with a win. Uh, you know, I think when we look at that second exhibition game, you know, once we look at it, you know, we'll decide what their roster is going to be. Once we look at injuries, it'll be one. Uh, we'll look at what the play time is going to be. You know, but overall, it's too early to make that assessment. You know, um, once we get back, you know, we'll head back. We'll lock, look at the film, knock it out, and we'll see where we go from there. Oh, I mean, you know, if, if they can if they can beat out the other guys, you know, Canadian, American, whatever it is. But, you know, if that happens, it happens. I think that they have the talent to uh, make a roster. So whether it's having two on our roster or one being on another roster, I know that they'll be playing. What you want there? Yeah, well, I think uh, that's going to solidify itself, you know, in terms of Mac. You know, um, Mac understands where he is. Uh, you know, he can easily be a one. And then the, the rest of those guys, you know, we're, we're really looking for that three right there and seeing who can step up and uh, take that position. Um, uh, well, first of all, you know, like anything else, we want to be aggressive and uh, we want to be a defense to keep our uh, offense at the end zone. You know, we always have a goal of 21 or less points, and we met that today. You know, it won't happen all the time, but we met it today and, and wanted to play smart. Wanted to play smart, and like anything else, they're going to have to play man on the back end, and we're going to have to get on, get after the quarterback up front. Uh, nothing that I saw right now. You know, there were some guys that may have been out a little earlier than we supposed, you know, with some nicks and bruises. But uh, overall, in terms of major injuries, I wouldn't know that until after we sit down and assess those guys. Well, you know, they have some quarterbacks that ran around. You know, there was some pressure there early. And, uh, you know, that was just really what our four-man front and to do some things. And then they adjusted with some of the things we were doing, you know, and uh, it, it slowed us down a little bit. And we had to become a little bit more conservative. But Nevertheless, I thought I saw some good things. Like I said, the, the biggest thing is we have to find some guys in that second and third group to step up, you know, because right now there was a drop-off at some positions, and it, it's not athletically. It's because mentally they don't know the game yet. So we've got to continue to push those guys and groom those guys 
Uh, so if their opportunity comes, they'll be ready. Yeah, we try to, and next week it'll be a different rotation. Some guys didn't do one thing this week, so we'll get that turned around. Uh, you know, I didn't think the win was a factor, but it actually was on those kickoffs. It held a couple of those balls up, but we'll evaluate that too. You know, um, we've been pretty steady in practice. There were no misses anywhere on field goals, but I think we had one or two today. So, uh, you know, it's, it, well, practice is one thing of evaluation, but you have to get into the game and see how they are under the light. Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. You know, it was awesome. They, they brought energy. It was excitement, you know, the whole time. And it, it really felt like a game, especially when they, you know, got, I mean, when they started waving the towels and things like that, that was a lot of energy. I mean, it felt like a professional football game in terms of uh, um, the noise.